your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Thursday Night Football Preview, Lacrosse Talk PM. All we're going to do is talk about the Packers 49ers game. Is it going to be played? <laughs> 49ers, Packers, a little bit of COVID going on in the in the in the locker rooms. I don't know. The teams are, are struggling a little bit with COVID, but I will say I got this uh, update on my phone, my little phone Packers app. Running back Aaron Jones expected to be active tonight for Thursday Night Football. You can listen to Thursday Night Football on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. There's probably pregame going on if you don't want to listen to me. You want to head over there. You could go listen to the pregame. Why would you do that? You could do that in an hour. How many? How much pregame could you honestly take? Uh, looking at the AP wire, the latest. Three minutes ago, Trump set to make remarks from White House. Oh, boy. Well, at least he's at the White House. Is that. Um, and I will say, just updated the our wisdomnews.com website and unfortunately a another covid death today that's the 26th in the county and the third in the past 2 days two people have passed away yesterday and another person has passed away today according to the Cooley COVID-19 collaborative website and it's really kind of, uh, what is it? The 21st death since October 1st as well. So when you talk about when these deaths have occurred, this was kind of foretold by the Lacrosse County Health Department, Gunderson and Mayo, the collaborative. Those are the three entities involved. There's a business entity too there, but um, they're not involved in the uh, in the discussions online that they have periodically but yeah so the 26th death i don't know the ages yet i send out an email usually after maybe the next day i feel like sometimes i'm just bugging them hey how old was this person every death so far except for the last three has been somebody 60 years old or older i think also and uh and on top of that we had another 125 cases today remember back back in the day when it was like two or three we had three cases. We're like, whoa, three? And now it's 125. And I think we're all just numb to it. But we're numb to the idea of how many, it doesn't matter how many cases now because the, the state of Wisconsin set a set a record yesterday and um, then set a record today. And I think they set a, it set a record two days ago. So back to back to back days, we've set a record for cases Today, 5,922 cases. Minnesota set a record today and yesterday, 3,956 cases. Iowa's up there, twenty over 2,000 cases a day the past couple of days as well. And then if you don't care about cases, you're like, oh, cases. It's going to be cases. Uh, hospitalizations going through the roof as well. Wisconsin's had its top three days of hospitalizations all the past three days. And... Minnesota, same boat. The top days of hospitalizations all the past three days. So that's the worry one. 
if you're not 60 or older in Lacrosse County, because those are the only people who have died, right? Then you don't have to worry. I mean, if that, if you want to think about it like that, but you do have to worry about somebody else getting the virus. Are you giving you getting the virus and giving it to somebody else indirectly? That's kind of how this works. And um, the hospitalization thing, I don't know how many of you are on universal government paid health care. I'm not. So if I have to go to the hospital for a couple of days, it's not going to be great. Great news. It's not. I, I don't really feel like pay, paying the, the extraordinary hospital bill for for COVID, whatever ends up happening, even just being in the hospital, right? Just going for a night. That's not something anyone wants to do in general and also monetarily. Like, you don't want to pay for it. Uh, we're going to call here. Caller, who's this? This is Sally. Hey, Sally, go ahead. You're on the air. Um, I would just like to say I don't care for the way they're doing their COVID-19 information. I think that they should, in, La Crosse County is a pretty big county, and I think they should do them by cities like La Crosse only, Onalaska, Campbell. I mean, there are, nobody travels throughout the county of La Crosse when you're staying home trying to uh, quarantine yourself. Okay, but the... the, the and the... I would just like to say, Rick... Trump is our president. I think you could show a little respect for that man. Today? That's all I need to say. You really shouldn't even have a job. Thank you. Oh, okay. I uh, didn't even know I mentioned Trump today. It, although it is past November 4th and Donald Trump in West Salem and multiple other places said the media is going to stop talking about COVID. But he's not. He hasn't lost it. I, and I didn't understand if he, we were going to stop talking about it if he becomes president this term or if Joe Biden becomes president because he's kind of hinting at, uh, but okay, I'll pay uh, Mr. Trump some respect. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know where that came from. Are you just mad because I talked about Trump in d- a disrespectful way at some point in time. I feel like Donald Trump should show some respect for other people, right? Like uh, what is it? He doesn't call uh, former vice president, Joe Biden, former vice president, Joe Biden, right? Like he doesn't he have all kinds of, names for these people I feel like that's a thing I feel like that's a thing that Trump doesn't have any respect and if the president doesn't have any respect for anybody if he's the role model for America then I don't have to have respect for anybody either especially him although I haven't called him a name so there's that at least I'm not calling him you know the names I'm not even going to do it I'm not going to say the color of his skin the fake color of his skin and call him that name, as many people do, because he started it. You started it, Donald. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Brad's got to do the news. And then we're going to come back with Dr. Aaron Engel, the lacrosse school superintendent. The schools are going to be postponed until January now, the first semester. And um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about the SRO situation, the school resource officer situation. I don't know which one we're going to hit first. Probably the postponement of schools and and virtual learning going on until January 18th, I believe. All right. We'll be back after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to send a text 
and I'll try to read it and talk and interview Dr. Aaron Engel, the lacrosse school superintendent, on the phone with me now. Uh, back to virtual, well, not even back to continuing virtual learning. And uh, you, you put out the, the notice yesterday that we're going to virtual learn until the end of the semester, which is January 18th. Do I have that right? Yep, that's correct. And I, uh, why, why the decision to do it that long instead of, you know, you've been, you've been dinking and dunking here at like two, what, one or two week increments. And then finally you just went, is it just the matter of there's too many cases? We're not, there's no point on trying to go two weeks out from now on. Uh, I think it's a combination of two things. One was definitely the, the increase in case rates uh, recently. It definitely seems like it's going to be an ongoing trend, especially in light of cold and flu season coming on, colder weather, and uh, you know some of the opportunities for family gatherings with Thanksgiving and, and Christmas coming up, too. We did not anticipate that case rates would decline uh, in, in this period of time. And then the other factor was, you know, when we... Um, thought we might be able to come back in person and then had to reverse course. Uh, we heard a lot of feedback from, from parents who wanted to be able to plan with more certainty for the future, and we thought this would be a way to, to allow folks to plan through a longer period of time. Yeah, that makes that makes sense, too. How much? Uh, how many lessons did you learn from, say, what is it, West Salem on Alaska Holman? I think they all tried to go back to school in person, and I think a week later they were, they were back to virtual. Uh, we communicate regularly with other local school districts and had an opportunity to chat with them. And I think that in and out process was difficult for a lot of families. I know for some, though, they really appreciated that week. But um, uh, we want to try and avoid that yo-yo effect for our parents wherever possible. And our parents, when you when you tell them that, I'm, I'm sure there's... Are there some, what do you think? How do you gauge this? Is it 50 50? Do they understand? Because they probably just wanted the kids out of the, the damn house at this point. Like, you take the kids for a while, Engel. Yeah, I think there's a lot of families that uh, kind of want their kids out of the house. I think there's, you know, maybe more families where they feel that in person education is best for their child um, or where it's a real economic hardship. You know, they're trying to watch a kindergartner or first grader and it's interfering with their ability to work. So we're really sensitive to kind of the real concerns that parents have uh, about wanting their kid to come back to school. Um, you know, at the same time though, you know, case rates have never been higher in our community right now. And uh, it would be a significant risk to students, families, and our staff if we were back in person. We're speaking with lacrosse school superintendent, Dr. Aaron Engel, yeah, the idea of some consistency too that that gives that par- gives parents a better chance to to you know plan ahead. Uh, teachers too, right? This is this has got to be a little bit of a. I don't know if it takes the burden off teachers, but at least it, it gets them thinking in one direction and not both. Absolutely, we've been you know heavily planning to to switch modes you know for a long time now, and now that we know that we can table some of those plans and, and thought processes, our teachers can really focus on maximizing. Uh, virtual learning and uh, making it an even better product than it currently is. How how often? I guess how do how do you guys discuss the the way things are going with virtual learning with teachers? Do you have like a giant Zoom call? Do you try to reach out to each teacher individually, or do you let them come to you? I'm sure some teachers are struggling with this. Other teachers are probably probably love it. They probably like virtual learning better than being in person. Although I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. I could be wrong about that. 
I, I talk to probably two or three teachers a day about, um, you know, how things are going. But with, you know, over 600 teachers and 1,000 employees, we really rely on our administrators. You know, we've got incredible principals that are there day-to-day working beside teachers, uh, helping uh, figure things out. And we also have some just amazing uh, teacher leaders who have been leading the charge on virtual learning, uh, really know the resources and the capabilities. And so I think just, uh, you know, the, the folks that we have in our building are able to support teachers as they work through their struggles in providing high-quality virtual learning. With the, the idea here that we're going to virtual learning now, we're kind of set it in stone. January 18th, you all have time to to just plan ahead. Now you got about over two uh, yeah, over two months and there's a little Christmas break in there, but, uh, you know, has that, has that done anything, um, for, 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 uh, you know, parents that send their kids to some secondary, I don't, I don't know what you want to call it to, to like a daycare or something like that, 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 that helps them as well. But do you got, are you guys doing anything with, uh, with the school itself to bring, uh, you know, online virtual learning into, into the schools? Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. So we're continuing to partner with the YMCA and the Boys and Girls Club um, to try and uh, make um, you know daycare accessible to families, and, and that's an ongoing uh, challenge and an ongoing partnership to try and find uh, the right fit for as many families as possible. And then there's you know a, a few families, a few students that have some really significant um, needs. Uh, that can only be met through uh, in-person instruction, and we're reaching out to those families and on a very narrow, specific basis, providing uh, some instruction in our school buildings. But um, most of those services are required by law through, um, you know, special education services or, or other things. How how do you how do you help families that you know parents that that have a job they can't have their kid at home because they're not home, they, the kid needs to learn. Is there any avenue for those parents that, that, that school provides or the city or the state? You know, or wh- What do you tell parents that, that just they're not going to be able to have their kid at home, but at least now they know for the next two months you know, they can plan ahead. But what, what do they do if there's no avenue there for them to, to keep the kid at home to virtual learn? Yeah, we, we've got you know, our principals are working with families and our counselors uh, trying to think through you know, what natural supports might be available and you know, working to find other families that might be interested uh, in, in helping out. Uh, I know that um, in some conversations with some other uh, community uh, partners, there's been an increase in interest in, uh, you know, licensed uh, home daycares and, and other things. You know, so I think there's opportunities for, um, uh you know, other other places to, to find care for your child during the day. But it's really a case-by-case basis and working with each individual as best we can, uh, yeah. knowing that it's really difficult. Yeah, because, you, you know, because some families, they probably, everyone has a job, everyone's at work. And hey, on top of that, we're not going to be able to afford to bring somebody or to send our kids somewhere else. Um, this gets back to uh, having the state legislature maybe help out uh, families, you know, with children and virtual learning. Is there, you know, we have this election. We now know who our are, for the most part, we know who's going to be running our government. Is, is Do you start reaching out to these people and, and saying, get, get get us some help? Absolutely. Yeah, the the reason, one of the reasons we're in this circumstance is an absolute failure of policy on the state level. Uh, the aid provided to families and our communities and our uh, public organizations has 
you know, been slim to none. Uh, and there's been some efforts by some, but, you know, some of those efforts have been stymied by others. And so what we really need is our uh, state government to step up and uh, provide the necessary resources for our community to be able to, to overcome this. And, our, and I also know that our state governments are in a tough spot, too. You know, uh, aid is down this year through the tax rolls, and our federal government really needs to uh, help states by backfilling those losses and providing programs to support communities as well. You know, if um, state and national government uh, ha- had done their job and stepped up, I think we wouldn't uh, be in this position. Uh, getting back to the teachers and, and having the virtual learn, you say you talk to about three teachers a day. I'm sure you talked, and I know there's a lot of teachers, and then you have a lot of principals too on top of that. But have you talked to, you know, in, in, in communicating with everybody, have you have you really learned just like some very, is there anything that really sticks out? Like, wow, this teacher really has a unique way to get to the students virtually that, that I hadn't thought of, or I think maybe other people should be, you know, maybe you incorporate that for other teachers. Um, I've been really impressed with uh, some of our teachers' ability to create community. Uh, you know, I, that is one of the things that we were really nervous about is, you know, connections and relationships in a, in a class. And there are some teachers who have just really figured out how to do small group activities, to engage in discussion, uh, to bring out kind of the unique things that are going on in a kid's life each day, and really be able to, you know, um, create those student-to-student connections and student-to-teacher connections. Uh, in ways that, uh, you know, I think I'm amazed by, you know, it's using, you know, the breakout sessions and Zoom calls or uh, various, you know, like ongoing get-to-know-you activities or opportunities for sharing what's going on in your life. Um, uh, so just really neat ways to do that. And then, you know, there's various other strategies that teachers have been using to create engagement, you know, take your iPad and, and go find uh, something that's blue, you know, and every kid does that and is able to share something about their themselves or their home, you know, through that activity. So our teachers are incredibly creative and have been able to find really neat ways to create community engagement um, that has been really impressive. Are those some of the activities that the high school students are doing or... <laughs> And go find something blue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my experience, uh, uh, high school students enjoy a lot of those, what might seem like elementary games, just as much as, as others. So uh, who knows? <laughs> um, we're speaking with Dr. Aaron Angle, the lacrosse school superintendent, just about the idea of schools going virtual learning now. It's kind of set in stone through January 18th, and we'll see what happens after that. Um, okay, so that, those sound like younger. When when you look at virtual learning as a whole, is it is it high school students that are that's they're probably a little bit easier to have on Zoom calls and, and teach math science whatever whatever it is they got to teach. Is it, is it the older kids that are easier to do this with than the younger kids because you got to be more creative younger at the younger generation? Um, I, it is easier at the the middle and high school levels. Um, the students' ability to focus and the general skills they have, you know, allows them to to be more successful in that environment. The most difficult thing at the elementary level, and particularly lower elementary, is you know, as you're learning how to read, um, you know, it's difficult to access content unless somebody you know speaks it to you or gives it to you. You know, so it really takes. Um, uh, another person around for a first or second grader to be able to guide them through activities and things. And that really creates a, a burden on families and it makes it difficult for teachers to be able to reach each student the way they would want to. So definitely at the middle and high school level with the independence that students gain, you know, both through 
you know, work habits and, and the ability to read really makes a difference. Yeah, and I was talking, and we've talked about this before, but just uh, the UW lacrosse political science professor saying uh, at one of his classes that day that I talked to him, he said every literally every person in the Zoom call participated. Um, you know, you get. I feel like if I was in high school and I could participate virtually, it'd be a lot better than than being in the class and having everyone look at me with my stupid answer or question. I think there's a there's a, an element of truth to that. You know, I think for some it's easy to disengage, but um, I was talking to a principal today, and she was remarking on how um, she's got a student that you know suffers from a little bit of anxiety in the classroom naturally. But uh, in a Zoom environment, they feel a lot more comfortable and more confident. They don't have to be around other people. And so they've been doing better than they would have been in the classroom. You know, so there's there's success stories in this, too. Yeah, I think also they could cheat because they could just go online and find answers to all these questions. I couldn't do that when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is a, something that we're, we're thinking about, too. And it really... Um, makes us as educators think about what are what are good questions to ask they can't be simple you know one click google answers we really have to think about what is it we want students to be able to know and do and uh that is one of the the positive things that will come out of this experience is that we've really had to um, elevate you know the types of questions we ask the sorts of information we want students to be responsible for Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel is on with us. We're going to take a quick break. Scott's comment, the news coming up. When we come back, we're going to discuss the school resource officer program. I think we're about two weeks, maybe uh, less than two weeks out before we might have a decision on that. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be back after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line, which is kind of just the text line at this point with Dr. Aaron Engel, the lacrosse school superintendent on with us. He's been doing this since July. He's just taking, you know, just a pandemic to deal with virtual learning. And uh, the school resource officer program uh, came up. Uh, Did you did you know going into the job, Engel, that this was going to be a, a contentious issue? Um. As I was coming into the job, the the school board was having discussions about uh, the school resource officer program, so it was definitely on my my radar as I started. And what you know, we've we've had this discussion before, but in your past, you 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 really only you had a liaison officer at one point, but that was kind of it, right? With what you had to deal with as a as a principal and as a, a superintendent, you know, in your in your past. That's correct. Yep. I've had a, worked with a school police liaison, um, you know, who wasn't stationed at school. We would call if we had, you know, unique needs, but uh, had not worked in a school district that had a stationed school resource officer yet. I know some of the questions that I get when we have this discussion, I kind of get them after the show or the next day, is the idea yeah. that if you're not going to have school resource officers in school, what happens when when there's a fight or when somebody wants to to, to go after a teacher or something and when, when so, stuff like that happens. And my answer is like, I don't know how often stuff like that is happening. And then, you know, and then if it's between students, like teachers could intervene there, but how, I guess you probably, have you gotten a history of how, how lacrosse schools have had to uh, deal with, uh, I guess, fights in school because you haven't had session yet in class. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine, you know, it would be done like any other school or in a situation where a school resource officer, you know, couldn't intervene in the first place. 
Um, first off, you know, fights in schools are very rare. Um, you know, school violence is very rare, and uh, all the research that I've examined, uh, both you know, nationally and locally, shows that you know any crimes in general for youth have been on a significant decline since the the mid '90s. So, you know, schools are have never been safer. So that that's one thing to know. And then, as far as what to do if there's something that happens, you know, teachers have always intervened, you know, before school resource officers and, and even since, you know, no teacher I know is going to stand by while another student's getting hurt. And most teachers have uh, excellent relationships with their students, and they probably know the students that are involved, and they can step in and intervene and, and um, you know, get kids separated if, if things do happen. And in my experience, where we didn't have a school resource officer, that's exactly what teachers did. That's a, exactly what I did as a principal. You know, you get called for an incident and, and intervene, and, uh, you know, we were able to keep things under control and kids safe, you know, with or without a school resource officer. Um, a couple of a couple of text questions I got. Scott called in, during the break, and he said, get the, get the kids in hazmat suits and get them in the classroom because they're not – they're not learning. They're not going to be learning well enough. And we, I think he used the term idiots. But um, and I just told him I don't think kids are going to want to be wearing hazmat suits in the classroom. That would be very uncomfortable and probably hard to learn like that. <laughs> yeah, not to mention the cost. You know, the the difficulty is you know a lot of the prevention techniques we can put into place are, are relatively cheap. You know, to kind of go to some of those more significant ones, it gets it gets pricey pretty quickly. You know, and so we've already done things like increase our HVAC capacity to turn over air faster. You know, we've got uh, masks available for every staff member and for students. You know, so we've done all the the basic precautions you can. Uh, unfortunately, things are just really uh, accelerated in our community. You know, with percent positive rates around thirty percent. We really have no handle on where the virus is, and, and any time you walk out your door, you can expect to contact somebody who has it. Um, and getting, I'm, I know I'm jumping between school resources and, and virtual learning here, but uh, um, a Sam texted in. He said, "Students, middle school students need MacBooks. Uh, we have some old ones in the district. Uh, the the idea that everyone has a computer at home or has an iPad is that something that." that is happening or do we have to have we had to find ways to get certain students certain families uh the ability to not just get on the internet but have like a a, a computer that's up to par with being able to use some of the tools yeah most uh, all of our technology is less than four years old so it should be more than capable of uh handling you know any electronic um uh, requirements that we have you know we are looking at more electronic resources like textbooks, you know, as we move forward with these, with our devices, you know, so that is an opportunity. And, you know, if the uh, family doesn't have the, the right resources, you know, I would encourage them to reach out to their teacher and their principal and ensure that they get that. All right. And Gary texted in and he goes, are we going to have basketball this winter? Is the school district, or what, what are we doing with sports? Um, so we have committed to, you know, opening up all of our co-curriculars, um, you know, if we're in the orange on the Harvard model or if we're able to bring back elementary students under some other conditions, you know, and we're still looking at what that might look like for K-2. Uh, so definitely still open to that. Uh, just need the conditions in the community to be in the right place so that we can um, ensure that we're doing everything we can for student, family, and staff safety. And when you say in the orange, I'm looking at your your snapshot here. There's four metrics on there, two primary, two secondary. They're all in red. Do all of those have to be in the orange? Do one or a couple? How to? What do you think? 
Um, so the two that are the most important, the primary metrics, are daily case rate, the average uh, daily case rate over seven days per 100,000 individuals. So the orange would be less than 25 uh, cases per day. Uh, the other metric that we look at as a primary metric is the percent positivity rate. Um, and that would, our, our benchmark there is 10%. So if we get below 10%, you know, that would be another way to, to think about safety in our community. You know, and right now we're at like 91 per day for case rate and uh, 30, 30% for percent positivity. So we're just, we're just not right on, on the right track there, you know, but if the percent positivity is low, if it gets down to 10% or less, you know, we would have a pretty good idea that the folks that were ill were getting tested and we were, we were able to keep others safe. So we're hopeful that we can get to that point either through more people getting tested or, um, you know, doing the right thing and reducing the spread. And you're trying to make an exception through for kindergarten through second grade. Is that because they just have a harder time virtual learning or and the, the susceptibility to the virus? Is it a combination of that, or is it one or the other? Um, our, our primary focus is just the ability to learn through a virtual platform at that kind of critical developmental level when, you know, learning to read and write and to do math is so important. Um and so that's the primary motivation. Uh, one of the things that makes that easier to consider is the fact that, uh, you know, there's a fair amount of research that would suggest that the virus is passed less easily uh, amongst elementary students. So, um, you know, those are kind of a combination of factors. Um, unfortunately, to this point, the research we found, you know, has not suggested that you should bring kids back at all when conditions are like they are right now in lacrosse. Yeah, because the, the the even you know kindergarten and second graders might not be affected, but the whole idea here is they they get it, they're asymptomatic, and then their parents get it, and then you know beyond that, who knows? But um, all right, jumping back, I'm going to jump back to school resource officers. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a date coming up, I believe it's November 16th. It's is, is it a school board meeting where we're going to listen to your recommendations on what to do with the program? Yeah, on uh, November 16th, um, I'll be presenting a report to the school board uh, on the program review of the school resource officer program. Uh, it'll include, um, you know, some some literature, some reviews of data, um, recent data gathered here in the school district of La Crosse, and some recommendations for how we move forward. Now you have a survey out to it's it's to student staff and parents. I don't know if if it's if it's uh, to anyone else. Um, when did that survey go out, and how how many do you think are, are expected to answer it by the and and what do you do after that? Uh, the survey went out um, was it earlier this week, and um, we're gonna kind of look at the data uh, next week uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, we've already got about uh, a fifth of our uh, students and parents have filled it out, and almost half of our staff. Uh, you know, we expect, you know, maybe um, 40% of our students and, and parents to fill out the survey, and probably two thirds of our staff ultimately. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of people, so that's a, that'll be a good sample size to look at that data. And when, when do you? Is there a deadline for? There, well, there's going to be a. When's the deadline to have that survey answered? Yeah, so uh, we would hope that folks would be able to submit an answer by Wednesday evening uh, next week so that we can kind of complete our analysis Thursday morning. 
And then you'll have until you're going to look at that stuff, and then you'll have until that Monday to to figure it out. How many is there? Is there an easy way to look at these surveys? Is it computerized somehow where you see percentages, or, or is there part part of this where there's maybe a a comment section where somebody would write you know opinions about stuff like that? Uh, many of the questions are you know on a, a Likert scale, do you, you know very much agree, agree, disagree, very much disagree. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of it will be easy to use. Um, our, our software to just you know quickly gather percentages and and look at different demographics, buildings, age levels to to find that data. Uh, there are some you know kind of open comment boxes as well, and we'll look through those. Um, our computer software also is powerful enough to analyze that and kind of pick out themes, so we'll be able to quickly understand um, you know what our student staff and parents feel about. Um, School discipline, school safety, and their experience with school resource officers. Yeah, I did this. I did this backwards. I should have had you. Can you describe what the survey is that has gone out <laughs> to people? Um, because I didn't ask that question. Yeah, the survey includes questions about school discipline. You know, if a child misbehaves, you know, how do they want to be treated? How do their parents want them to be treated? Uh, ask some questions about, um, you know, what sorts of consequences they think are effective. You know, sometimes we do stuff and nobody thinks it works. So that's good information to have. Uh, And then there's some questions around, you know, generalized school safety. You know, do you feel comfortable at school? Do you feel safe at school? And then lastly, some questions about school resource officers, um, you know, trying to get at uh, people's experience with school resource officers and, um, you know, trying to find some questions that will help inform our practices as we move forward. And this is a, have you, have you been diving pretty deep into this stuff uh, over the last couple of weeks? Or are you going to cram the weekend before to go on and, and give your recommendation on that Monday? <laughs> no cramming involved. <laughs> it has been a heavy involvement in trying to learn as much as possible, talk to as many people as possible. You know, it's been ongoing learning since I basically accepted the job in lacrosse. So I've, I've been thinking about this heavily for six months and uh, hope that, um, you know, the report that we provide uh, you know, helps the school board um, think about the issue and make good decisions. Yeah, and then the, the the end game here is you make a recommendation, and then the school board would vote whether or not to, I guess, continue or discontinue having school resource officers. Is that kind of how that would work? Yeah, I imagine you know the way our, our system of government for schools works is through uh, you know coherent governance. So they're you know, my, my, it's my responsibility to kind of manage the program and, and do that. But, you know, they wanted some feedback on that. They wanted to know how things are going. And so I assume that, you know, they'll vote to either accept the report, to, you know, um, uh, reject the report, or they might accept it and, and ask for modifications or more information, you know. So uh, I think they'll, we'll, we'll have a period of time for the public to be able to digest it, for the school board to digest it and, and think about it and, you know, provide comments as, as they see fit. So I think there'll be a little bit of time for reflection too. And then this, this could go, this could, do you feel like it could go either way here? Do you, I mean, when we talk to the mayor, when I've been in those, you know, I've not been in, but I've, I've watched those zoom meetings. Um, the mayor is all, all but said it's, it, it, you know, unless we, we, maybe we change it a little bit, but the school resource officer program is, is probably going to be gone from lacrosse school district. Um, you know, I, it's, too soon for me to make any, you know, sweeping conclusions. You know, we're still waiting on student staff and parent data, and, you know, that definitely weighs on things. Um, you know, there's lots of research out there that points to uh, school resource officers as, as being effective. There's research out there that points to it being, you know, 
not effective or no no impact, you know. So I, I think um, there's lots of different ways to look at it. Um, I think that um, you know the recommendation we bring will take into account all those diverse uh, all the diverse inputs and feelings that folks have. Uh, as well as what um, best practice indicates to to make the best possible experience for all of our students here at school. And when you send the survey out, uh, like you did earlier this week, is it just to current people, like current students, current staff, current teachers? Because I imagine a lot of students that have gone through school, uh, maybe just recently at least, uh, would would have a better gauge on school resource officers than than children, like than a freshman that's just going to get the, his first experience with with SROs. Uh, yeah, and our, and our freshmen have even had experiences in middle school. So I, I think you're right that there would be some benefit in, in surveying recent graduates. Um, even our current students, you know, haven't been in the building for, you know, six months. So even their experiences are a bit dated, you know. So uh, I think we focused on our, our current students and their experience, our current parents and their experience. And, uh, you know, we're going to take that information and assess it as best we can. And then will you, do you have, could this, could the end game here be in many different avenues, whether you continue the program the way it is, you just have a DARE officer, you, you reel it down to, to one school resource officer between all the schools, get, I mean, could it, could it go any way? Um, we're considering, you know, the full continuum of options from keep the program as it is to um, modify, change, reduce all the way to uh, eliminate the program. You know, I, all of those things are, are on the table, so to speak. We want to make sure that whatever we're left with um, uh, meets the needs of our students, meets the needs of our community, meets the needs of our teachers and administrators. And then we also have to think about how we get to whatever that, you know, final outcome is. You know, if we've got a system that relies on these folks and, you know, they've done good work, then it's really difficult to go, you know, from, you know, five school resource officers to none overnight. You know, that would leave huge gaps in our systems. And so part of it is thinking about, you know, if we do change the program, how do we transition from what we have now to what we might have in the future? And then I would also say that, you know, we don't hire the school resource officers and and we don't have control over a lot of the systems that we might put in place. You know, we might want more school social workers uh, in the place of police officers, but, you know, we're not the, we're not the County human services department. You know, we're not the lacrosse PD. We can't make those decisions on our own. So whatever recommendation, um, you know, I do put forward uh, to the school board will also have to ultimately happen in collaboration with our, our partners in the city and the County. And we always talk about, uh, hey, what do the teachers think? What do the staff, students, parents? How much, how much uh, discussion do you have with the police department itself in 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 this program? Yeah, throughout the last six months, I've met you know um, uh, a number of times with um, uh, Chief Kudron and Captain Melby, who oversees the SRO program. We've had good conversations. Uh, we've also solicited feedback from all of our school resource officers to to add that into the report. Um, their perspectives are incredibly valuable, and we, we need those perspectives to be able to understand the impacts of the program as it currently stands and, and what would happen if it was changed. All right. Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel, it sounds like the next time I'll talk to you, maybe uh, November 17th. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make some time to be available. There might be more to talk about. All right. Thanks a lot for joining me. Yep. You bet. Have a good day. You too. All right. That was Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel. And we got to take another quick break. We'll be back after this on Wisdom.
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple, maybe a minute here uh, to go in the show. Thanks a lot for Dr. Aaron Engel for for joining me and putting up with all the questions. And uh, I did get a text from Ryan. He said, so our schools want to be just like the government, do nothing but still get paid. (laughs) Funny, he did put a a funny face in there, a laughing emoji. Um, I feel like they, I feel like maybe a lot of the people that are at schools are doing more work now than than ever before like it's got to be harder to uh to do this stuff you just get to wear sweatpants while you do it all right that that ends the show tomorrow dr uwl dr anthony tragoski uwl lacrosse political science professor maybe we'll have a president see you then